You're listening to the Spawn on Me podcast with your host, the captain, Khalif Adams, the Baron of Bourbon, Cicero Holmes, and the man who makes everything look good, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. Welcome to Bricago, y'all. What's good? What's good? What's good? This is Khalif Adams. This is the Spawn on Me podcast, episode 301. Thank you to everyone who has come through on podcast land, everyone that has come through on Twitch land, everyone that's come through on xray.fm and everybody else out there in the world doing their dopeness, doing their thing out there. Much love to you all. Thank you all for coming through. Yo, we had a fantastic show last week with my man, Kenny O'Brien, unruly doing this thing from unruly mob, hashtag unruly mob, giving them massive amounts of love for coming through and being super dope as usual. Um, it was a fantastic show. Everybody who came through had mad love. There was a whole bunch of folks who on Twitter and social media gave a whole bunch of love uh, out that way as well. So it was always nice to have super, super dope folks come through with us and come hang out and do all that wonderful stuff when they come to Chicago. So we're always trying to get bitter, bigger and better in all the things that we are doing. Um, and we are trying to make sure that we bring dopeness to you all at home. So again, Thank you so very much for coming through this week and every week to come hang out with us. This week, we have a dope show as well. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about, some stuff that's actually fun and some stuff that is also a little bit troubling. Um, If you've been paying attention to a lot of the gaming news of late, uh, you know that there have been multiple things that have been happening in the space. We have a lot of conversations to have about multiple things. Um, one of the most interesting parts of the conversation has been around Twitch and we have two stories this week that specifically talk about that and talk about all the things that are going to be happening with both some new, uh, products that are coming to the platform. Um, and also some folks who have, uh, been, uh, let's say not, not, not using the platform in the ways that we kind of understand that they should be. Uh, we have. Of course, the big story of the week has been about the one and only the nefarious Dr. Disrespect coming back to Twitch uh, after being away for on a two week ban uh, after having someone film him in the bathroom at E3 unbeknownst to the people who were in the room or in the bathroom themselves seeing their uh, bits. Uh, shared out there and not not twitch bits but their actual bits uh possibly being shared on a stream that the uh, in real live stream uh that dr disrespect was um broadcasting so it brought up a couple of different conversations right so the base conversation let's go back two weeks right so back two weeks dr disrespect is one of the biggest streamers on the planet we all know this um we've seen some of his streams if you've been paying attention to his work he has this persona of being this very brash, very um, uh, upfront and kind of, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say toxic in terms of the masculinity parts, but it, it does play up against all those old tropey things um, that are assigned to the persona that is the, the one that he portrays. This kind of 80s superhero or 80s action hero kind of thing with the mullet and the glasses and all that stuff. Um, so you play that out. And you have that be a part of your spiel. You have that be a part of the thing that you do on a consistent basis. Then you manifest that stuff over into uh, what happens over in E3, excuse me, which is E3 is the biggest show of the year. We had a fantastic time at E3. We did a whole bunch of stuff. We did a whole bunch of work, which was fun. Um, but for the most part, it's a business show, right? They're, they're 
there are lots of things that go along with that conversation. Um, and many times the, the conversation goes to, you know, how are you kind of representing the community? How are you representing yourself and how are you representing your brand? And also like, are you bringing good energy and things to the, are you bringing good energy to the spaces? Um, and I feel like it's one of those things where you have to determine early on, you know, what you're going to be able to do, um, in real ways while having that platform, having hundreds of thousands of people watch your streams every week, but also understanding that you have kids, you have young adults, you have a whole bunch of people who are connected to the work that you do. Um, and you have to set a, a fairly good example for, you know, for the people that you, that you rock with. It's that whole old school Charles Barkley thing of like, I don't want to be a role model, but you know, you are, you wind up just being a role model just for the sake of having that place of prominence in the places that you are. So Dr. Disrespect at E3 rolls through and you can see in the clip, I don't have a copy of the clip, right? It's just this one piece of video where he's like in the hallway and he's like walking through the, the convention center and he gets to bathroom and he has this like look on his face he's like yeah we're about to go in the bathroom and film some stuff and he has someone else trailing him with a camera and in none of these moments does someone say within that team within that crew yo this may be a terrible thing that we're about to do one because it's an invasion of privacy two because it breaks terms of service on twitch the platform that has made me rich or has made me fairly wealthy. And three, we have no idea who's in the bathroom. You could have had disabled folks in the bathroom. You could have had little kids in the bathroom. You could have had anybody in the bathroom who didn't want to be displayed or broadcasted while they're taking a piss or taking a dump <laughs> in the bathroom at E3. And Dr. Speck feeling like, yo, I can do whatever the hell I want, went in there and broadcasted. I don't remember for how long, but he was in there long enough to be able to get broadcasted and then subsequently get banned a couple of days later, I believe from Twitch, once they got wind of all the stuff that had happened. Um, it's, it's really weird. It's really super weird to see how all that stuff has transpired, but it's really weird to be able to kind of see and hear all the stuff that has gone down since that incident has happened, right? So he had a two week ban. That's a significant amount of cut to your revenue. We all know that it, it takes a lot of money to be able to, you know, the, the, the people who are watching Dr. Uh, Dr. Disrespect at this point have been paying lots of money to see him. He gets crazy, ridiculous amounts of um, money every time he gets on stream. He had his incident where he cheated on his wife and he came back. He took a, you know, self-imposed time off. He was like, yo, I messed up. I bought some stuff in my personal life and I need to get away from everything and not, not rock with all that stuff. So I need to go away for a little bit and get my stuff together. He did all that. I'm supposing that, you know, his, his family forgave him and all this other stuff. But as soon as he came back, he had the biggest stream with the most money probably donated in one day at that moment in that time. Right? So you have one, you have him doing something super disrespectful, pun intended, to his family, which is fine. That's all, that's all, has nothing to do with Twitch, has nothing to do with my life, has nothing to do with anybody in the stream, anybody in the gaming industry. You have to deal with that on your own 
on your own conscience. You have to figure that stuff out. But the thing that has troubled me has been, there's been at least a couple of incidents where one, he said some racist stuff when he was mocking other people with another dialect. We've already known that that was a thing. So that was racist. I don't, you can't really get around that. He's he, he, he put up the, the, the barricade of being like, Hey, my wife is, um, my wife is Asian. So I can, I can use this faux Chinese or, or, or accent that, that I've made up to, you know, talk to people within the stream, which is already gross and terrible, right? That's been let to go and slide on Twitch already. You have the whole cheating incident, which then caused a whole bunch of another kerfuffle within his home. You have something that was kind of, that was terrible where he was streaming one day and had people shoot at his home, which was awful. No one should be doing that. That's a terrible thing. No one condones that no matter how, how whack you may be. But you have this very special and significant incident where he knowingly went into a public bathroom to film whatever it may be himself pissing, you know, him doing whatever you need to do in the bathroom for content, especially after the thing that makes it really weird is the fact that he got in someone's face. I remember at TwitchCon, maybe it was a year ago, maybe two years ago where another uh, IRL streamer like rolled up on him and was like, yo, Dr. Spec, I want to, I want to stream with you. Yo, get on my camera with me. And he got mad. He got pissed. He was like, yo, I don't want anyone. I'm off the camera right now. I'm off the job. I'm off the clock. And I don't want you to film me if I don't want you to film me. And I find it super ironic that he took the time to go film this content in the bathroom with probably other people in that spot. They were people in the video. They were maybe a kid in that video. All I know is it's one of those things where if you see someone doing something terrible like this, who are the people who are trailing you with a camera to be like, yo, this is dope. Then how are you going to complain? Like, how can you complain about that two week ban? You can't complain about that two week ban. Um, Chad is saying that there was a kid in the video. That's 10 times worse. If there was a kid in the video, so you can't do that and have that be a thing uh, that's that's in that in that vicinity because that's absolutely against the law. Um, and it, and it was one of those things where everybody who was involved knew exactly what was what was happening at that moment. Um, I, I don't know what to say about that part. There isn't anything that's justifiable in that respect. There's nothing that you can do that's going to be like, hey, you could have figured that out and, and rock that out and made that something better. You knew what you were doing when you did it and you botched it. Right. So past all that, right. You have that as the beginning parts of that conversation. That's the, that's the main layer. The secondary layer is you now have Twitch who is going to let this guy come back onto the platform. He's had his two week ban. He's going to come back on the platform and this cat is going to cake off this return. He is going to make a ridiculous amount of money on his return back from his suspension. That part kills me. That part makes me extremely upset. And the reason is we try to be good here. We try to do good work. We try to do stuff that is like above board and make sure that we kind of are, are paying attention to the industry and paying attention to 
you know, setting a good example, not only for ourselves, but for other broadcasters, we've become a Twitch ambassador this year. So, you know, we are absolutely and specifically been tasked with showcasing and, and, and being good stewards of the platform. And this cat who gets to be the face of Twitch in some ways gets to do whatever he wants while also doing terrible, basically illegal things. So how do you reconcile as a platform Twitch being like, okay, so we have this cat who's done this work. He's going to continue to to stream on our platform. We're going to continue to promote him. We're going to continue to give him opportunities to shine, but also we're going to be able to say, we're going to get a cut of that revenue when it comes back too, right? So like, that's the kicker is like, as a company who has been trying to figure out good ways to moderate not only their online streams and the content that their that their uh, partners are working to make, because I consider everyone who works on and makes streams and who produces content a partner. You may not have a partner status on on Twitch, but you're a partner in this because you're making them money. If you're an affiliate or if you're doing any of that work or if you're just promoting it, you're promoting it as a person who's like, yo, this is the work that I want to do on this platform, you're helping this platform grow, right? What does that mean for Twitch to be able to say, we are going to let a bad actor do whatever they kind of want, come back without any repercussions, and then cake off of that in a way that both gets the community fired up, brings in a whole bunch of money, and still doesn't give opportunities to other other folks who are more well-deserving of that spot who have not been bad actors, right? So I've seen so many people defend it. I've seen a lot of people online talk about, yo, he didn't know, yo, the people behind him weren't part of his crew, all this stuff that I've heard that is absolute garbage and absolute crap. I can't, I'm not gonna cuss cause it's gonna be on the radio. But the thing that bugs me out about that is those are the Twitch parts, right? The Twitch parts are one facet of that. The secondary part are all the people who are still fans of Dr. Disrespect who are absolutely going to come back to watch his streams and they're going to chuck out crazy amounts of dough because it's this weird redemptive moment. We have this thing in society right now where people who are bad actors or you know people who are done crappy things or terrible things we seem to have flipped it so that those folks are now the, the, the victims of rule sets and terms of service and being held accountable for not being terrible human beings, but they still get to profit and they still get to, to do all the stuff they want to do and even grow from it. We've seen it with folks like Colin Moriarty. We've seen it with folks like Dr. Disrespect. We've seen it with cats in multiple parts of the, the gaming industry who Nick Robinson, we've seen it with a whole bunch of people who have been able to, cake off of and grow from devious deeds that shouldn't be allowed on the platform, right? So you have that as a part of the conversation. The other part of that conversation is now Twitch. What does Twitch need to do to broaden out the prospect and the conversation about how they're actually going to enforce terms of service, how they're actually going to enforce rules that they've been able to write down on paper and write down in digital ink and say, yo, these are things that we believe we want to create a place where we can have safe streams for all of our 
for all of our users, both watchers and streamers, while he gets to be able to come back and do what he needs to do. The only things that I can think of that are reasonable um, versions of recompense are you either have to ban him outright because he endangered kids, basically. You do you 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 put a put a kid's face or you put a kid in a video on Twitch that didn't give you permission in a bathroom. Two, what happens to the revenue stream that he should be able to get on the platform? There's been multiple conversations about what should happen with that kind of money. I am of the of the account is like either you have to cut off that stream of funds for at least a, a significant amount of period so that it actually hurts. Or you say, hey, if you are going to come back onto the platform, we will let you come back onto Twitch and stream on our platform. But you have to do some form of community service. You can't just come onto the platform and get money and think that everything is going to be dope when you have just magically done all this bad stuff. And he's not going to go home and think about it and be like, yo, I did a bad thing. I should really re readjust my life and try to figure out what the next step should be that I should be doing. He's going to just come back and be like, yo, I can do whatever I want. And that's the fine thing. So what does Twitch do in the meanwhile to let people know in the community that this is not okay. And that this is a thing that you can't do. I don't know what they're going to do. I've seen, I've seen this happen a couple of times. Now he's gotten more slaps on the wrist than most people. And I think at a certain echelon, then you just don't like, there's nothing you can do because maybe the money is too tight. I would love for someone on Twitch and it's weird. So like a little behind the scenes thing is we went to during the Twitch ambassador stuff. I spoke to the folks who were in the kind of enforcement layers of Twitch. Right. And I was like, Hey, we know that there's a conversation that happens in, um, uh, 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 communities of color who, who stream on Twitch. We see that there's harassment there on a consistent basis. You know, what are the things you are, are doing to kind of help tamp that stuff down so that we can feel safer so that we can do the work that we want to do. And some of that stuff is automated. Some of that stuff is taken care of in a, in a manual fashion and, and people are going through those tickets and going through that stuff. But it feels very much like second son says in the chat that it seems to be very selective about who gets punished. And that's one of the things that I come back to when I think about this conversation about Dr. Disrespect is, and I've said this on, I said this on Twitter this week because I have to frame it in a, in a, in a reasonable way for myself. Right. I know spawn on me as an entity, Khalif as a person, we have not been able to grow our community as big as we want to on Twitch for multiple reasons. You, it takes a lot of energy to stream. I give massive kudos and massive props to everyone who can come, who can do their nine to five job and then go on stream and, and bust out a stream for two to five hours. Like y'all are dope. I give you mad props. I can't do that as much as I would like to. Although in the next months or two months or months and coming up, I should say, I'm going to be streaming more on our channel. I'm going to make a schedule. I'll probably stream like maybe three times a week for like two hour stints at a time. Right. It gives us, gives me the ability to learn about what I'm doing, but also let's more people kind of see what we, what we're about. Right. But with that being said, there are still moments where I can ask any streamer of color, like, yo, could you have gotten away with that? 
could you have done what he did and expect to be able to still get the love that he got both from his community and from the platform like that? I absolutely doubt that. It's not a thing that's a racial component in that sense, but it is a thing that I think about as a black person in, in American society on this planet. I constantly am comparing my experiences to those of others who are in the same and similar spaces to be like, yo, could I do that? Could I get away with that? And 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is absolutely no. I could not get away with that. And there's no way in hell that I would be able to not one be in jail. Like how is, how did no one press charges against Dr. Disrespect for doing that stuff? Twitch or someone in, you know, in the bathroom or whoever it is, whatever they found out later on, like how did no one press charges against homeboy for doing that stuff? And two, how do you then again, Twitch, how do you, how do you set up parameters and you enforce stuff so that you let people know that there is an across the board uh, equality there? And you have to set that standard because if you don't, then people get away with whatever they want. And then they get to come back and play the role of martyr and play the role of, yo, Twitch was messing with me and they took over my revenue. They cut money out of my pocket. They're taking money out of my, out of my family, all this other stuff. Right? So we have a lot of stuff to, to figure out on that respect. And I feel like it's one of those things that a lot of people won't talk about until maybe there's some legal action uh supposedly he has to go to court and kind of figure out what's going to be happening supposedly that's the thing that may be happening thank you pus gums in the chat for for sharing about that but it is one of those things where i want to know what the actual like boots on the ground issue uh, boots on the ground uh, uh um, work is going to wind up being to make sure that people who do stuff like this no matter how big you are are going to be taken care of in a way that is you know uh that feels good for the rest of the community too. Cause I feel like that's the thing you have to make sure that you're, you're, you're paying attention to what the community is asking for and you're working towards making that stuff better so that these things don't happen. So there's a lot of stuff, Dr. Disrespect, like, yo, he gets away with murder on a consistent basis. And it's at the point now where I just feel really bad because we get to, we, we share a platform with someone who has done terrible, dirty stuff. And it feels like it's been not okay, but it feels like there hasn't been enough done to be able to make that move be something that is like significant in a way that means much to anybody who else who's working on that platform. So again, I, I want to see what they do. They've got to do something about this. It wasn't dope for that to be a thing. And it was even worse that he didn't get a perma ban for that. Like if you want to give his money to charity, you make him force that money to go to charity. Maybe you do that, but you got to give somebody a perma ban if you do something like that. Cause what if he did something that was even worse? You know what I mean? Like what's the thing that you get? What, what, how far do you have to go to get banned at this point when you're that big? Who knows? Who knows what the thing is that you have to do to get banned at this point? when you do stuff like that. So, uh, that's my, that's my doctor disrespect rant for this week. I, I feel like it's, it's just madness what's happening. And I feel like it just gets worse 
we had like a crazy week of just people and it's in the streaming side of things like totally just just like botching it left and right there's been so many weird incidents and, and so many people just doing terrible things and super sad incidents too with itika uh you know rest in peace to that brother who who, who took his own life this this week um but it's been it's been a really just rough couple of weeks months or so for folks in the content creator stream space for a long time and it's just been unbelievable just how much people have gotten away with especially the folks who are at the top of the game so let me know what you all think you know not only in the chat here but you know let us know on social media what you think they should be doing and other ways you think that twitch should be kind of working on that stuff to make it better because uh, right now it's not okay <laughs> so besides that um a lot of other stuff has happened uh, this week. One of the things that Twitch has also done this week has been uh, they have added this new um, this new component to Twitch, which is called subscriber streams. So basically, as a as a partnered streamer, you can do a couple of different things. You can basically set up your stream so that you can direct it to a certain segment of your audience subscribers mostly um there are other things you can do in there too you can kind of set it for other things like you can set it for vips if you want to add them you want to add moderators you can do that as well um there are parts of that that i really like and there's parts of that that i see a lot of folks being really upset about and it's been interesting to see the kind of take that has come from the community at first which i also feel is it's another part of the culture that we're trying to to kind of rectify and fix right it's like the 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 take online was that yo this is a terrible thing this is going to gatekeep a whole bunch of people off of being able to see streams there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out like what they're going to do if this becomes something that's more prevalent and i find all that stuff really interesting and funny because People constantly gatekeep your work or their work from segments of their audience. There are parts of, uh, you know, the stuff that we do on, on, on Patreon, uh, although we haven't been great about putting out content on Patreon. That's, that's my bad. Um, but there are absolutely tears to the content that you could possibly get if you are subscribed to us on or supporting us on Patreon. That's been a thing that's been in the space for a long time. You see it more now with a lot of things that you see on um, uh, digital digital news sites. Like they will absolutely be like, yo, can you pay us a little bit because news is dying and can you give us a couple of bucks and then you get all the access to the stuff. The reason why I find this stuff with Twitch even more interesting or a little bit more troubling in, in, in terms of the take that people took was that you have a segment of folks when it got released yesterday, today is Thursday the 27th. It got released on the 26th of this month, people already crapped on it. Like people literally were in their fields and in their mentions on Twitter and in social media spaces being like, yo, this is the worst thing that's ever gonna happen to anything. I don't understand how, how this is gonna be good for anybody involved. How could this be something that people would wanna do? And to me, it was actually really interesting to figure out how we could possibly as a, as, as a show use this to benefit our community and the folks who have rocked with us for a really long time and even newer folks, right? It's like one of the things that as a content creator, we are constantly trying to figure out, I'm constantly trying to figure out is what's the best way 
that I can serve the community that we have, right? I love our community. We, we have one of the dopest communities on the planet. One of the hardest things is trying to make content that is outside of the normal realm of what we constantly do. Most times you'll get our normal show throughout the week. You know, it's a weekly show that you get the stuff that we wanted to do in terms of the after dark stuff didn't necessarily pan out the way we wanted to. And that's just because of bandwidth. Like we have, you know, cats on the team where are busy with life stuff. It's, I just started a new job. It's a lot of different reasons why some of that stuff hasn't panned out. But one of the things that we want to do with the show is like, Hey, maybe we can consolidate some of that stuff if we wanted to and put it in a place where we know that most people will be able to go and see it. Cause that's one of the hardest things as a content creator is like, am I making stuff that people care about? And if they care about it, if I'm not getting feedback about that stuff or people telling me that it's good, bad, terrible, whatever, is it actually giving value to the audience? And if the audience isn't getting value, then is that a waste of energy that could be going towards another thing that could be giving them more value? Right. And with the subscriber stream stuff, I was like, oh, well, maybe that could be a thing that we could tie to Patreon or because, it, you know, logistically doing uh, uh, private streams, you can't do it on Twitch. The only place you can do that really is YouTube and you have to set up a private uh, private stream for, for all that stuff to work. Um, and those things are OK, but they're not really tied into the stuff that makes the workflow easier for all the folks who are involved in making the content that you all get to enjoy. Right. So plus at a, at a, at a value that is equal to monetarily what we'd be able to do. Cause it, it, I think it's like a, uh, a subscription on Twitch at the base level is like, is like six bucks. Right. So like if you pay six bucks, you get, tier one subscriber status on Twitch. If you were to say, Hey, on Patreon, we would be like, yo, there's like a dollar tier. And then there's like a $5 tier or whatever. If you would say, Hey, we're going to take off that $1 tier. If you want to support us at that $1 tier over on Patreon, you can totally do that. Or if you want to come back over and say, Hey, we're going to do video content specifically for subscribers here on Twitch and you pay us the five bucks or whatever you subscribe at the five buck level, then you're like, you know, that more than likely you're going to be able to see something where we're gaming on it, something where we're talking about it. It gives us more options to be able to do that stuff. And I don't feel like that reactionary thing that you saw that second son talked about in the chat is something that that hot take came so fast that no one had a chance to think about how they could be able to use that tool. Cause they are all tools use that tool to the best of their ability for the community that they have. Like, sure. It won't work for everybody. It's a thing that, you know, it's so new. No one knows yet how it's going to, how it's actually going to work, but it could be one of those things where, you know, you being able to use that thing could be really dope in a lot of different ways. Right. It's like a thing that of course you don't even have to use. It's an option. And I feel like people get super, super mad about options. You know what I mean? And that's a, that, that, like that thing is super weird to me. I don't get the fact that people get so upset about options for people 
who get to use that tool in a way that may benefit them. So that's been a thing that's been super weird. I don't understand that, that beef, that thing has been like really just unreasonable for some reason. I don't get why that's a thing. Uh, but I think that it is one of those conversations that I find to be one that is less about the actual tool and more about the communities themselves and that internet want to get the hot takeout before anybody has done the work, the research or any of the actual like Googling to see like, yo, is this a thing that may work for me? And if it doesn't, then it has to be garbage. Like, don't do that. That's one of the worst things that we see in gaming culture right now is that everyone must have a hot take and that hot take has to be the hottest, most dirtiest, most unfounded negative take that we see happening in the space. I wish that that would be a thing that we would change. I want that to be a thing that we all work on. It's the thing I'm trying to work on specifically in my own brain, mind, heart, and body to try to make sure that when I'm bringing information, I'm at least giving it the ability to breathe a little bit so that I can give it enough um, framing so that I can say those things to all of you at home in a, in a, in a proper way. So subscriber streams are a little bit weird. I want to see how folks are, are, are going to use it. I want to hear specifically from the community folks who are in there, who are who have subscribed or who have not subscribed about like, is that a thing that you would want us to even do? Is it a thing that you'd want us to even try and see how it may work? Like that could be the dope thing that we wanted to do where we game with subs. That could be a dope thing where we, you know, have our after dark conversations that are just specifically for those folks who are subscribed to the channel in that way. Like there are lots of ways that we can do fun things with that as a community. I just need to be able to know what things you all want to engage in. And also I'm going to be poking at other streamers to be like, yo, how are you using this? Like, are you using this to your benefit? Is it doing something well for the stuff that you're trying to, to make happen? Because every tool that you are able to put into your toolbox is a great tool to be able to use. Like you can use that stuff. It's super fun to be able to use those things for good, for good reasons. That could be something even doper for, uh, for spawn for good. Like that could be a thing that for spawn for good stuff, we can figure out cool ways to, to add incentives to that stuff so that we can do some of the good charity work that we've been doing over the past six years. So a lot of conversations in there about, about some of that stuff. And there's a lot of things to, to, to kind of discuss, uh, in that space, but I just wish that people just wouldn't take the hot take all the time. Like it's not necessary. It's not a thing that you need. Um, it just doesn't do anything good for the space. Um, last couple of things before, uh, we end out this episode, this is going to be a fairly short episode is E3 was two weeks ago. We had a lot of fun at E3. Uh, lots of games got talked about. I think if you were to think about the game that was the one that kind of blew up, or not, I wouldn't say blow up, blew up. I would say the game that got the most love from most folks was Cyberpunk. So Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Projekt Red got a massive amount of love. My, our, our friend Paris was like, the 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 like poster child for for cyberpunk 2077 happiness and it was great to see it was like really dope to see he and uriah over at the show radio i was a part of that uh piece of viral content uh the way he put up where he was talking about haitians being in the game and how that how haitians being in the game was something that he respected because he didn't have to think about 
uh, 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 trying to translate the stuff that was being said in the game because it was actual Creole. Like there were parts of that conversation that was that was in there. Uh, yeah, Paris, Paris jumping around cracked me up too. It was it was amazing to see him running around. It was dope. I love it because it's genuine. Like I know Paris enough. And he and like he's really excited about that game. He's excited and I'm excited, but like Paris is like really excited about that game. And it's been dope to see with him being so excited about it to see um CD Project Red embrace that as uh good vibes for companies that again like there has been conversations about how CD Project Red has botched a lot of uh, a lot of I said Paris's name and he shows up in chat. Um how CD Projekt Red has botched some of the conversations around uh, some of the uh, messaging that they've had in terms of conversations around trans folks, uh, some of the messages they've had around the, the conversation about some of the enemies in the game. There was a big conversation about, uh, you know, all the people that you wind up killing in that one last demo all being black and, and then Mike Pondsmith coming out and being like, no, some of the folks who are in this group that are called the animals and the Creole boys, like there are people who are in those groups who are not just black people. So it's not just people of color getting killed in those spaces. And, and Paris had a fantastic rant about it on, on Gamertag radio. You should check out on YouTube on his YouTube channel where he talked about, you know, his feelings towards that stuff. And I, 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 I rock with some of the sentiments that was in that was in that piece. But it is also going back a step really dope to be able to see, again, a big company like this is putting out one of the most anticipated games of the year. Pull in a community member like Paris and say, yo, you are you are the best. uh, um, um, You're one of the best stewards of our game right now. Like you are one of the folks who is like really showcasing just how much you care about this game and also just about how you are uh, bringing good energy to the space, which again is one of those things that you don't see a lot of, like you see companies reach out in terms of influencers in ways that's like, yo, let me, excuse me, let me, let me snatch that person up and and kind of bring them into the fold because they have a large number of of followers or they have a lot of influence in the space and they, and they do that kind of work, but they have attached themselves to, to Paris and to the work that he's been doing straight out of just enthusiasm, which is fantastic. That's dope. Like that's the thing that you should all kind of want. It's the thing that we all should want as community members. Yes. Again, CD project red has bought some stuff in messaging. They have done some not great things on their social media channels, but I think net net, I think that they are all still learning as well. What they should be doing, could be doing and how they want to message some of that stuff out so that they don't alienate certain segments of their, of their gamer base off the bat. Like, I think they could be doing some of that better, but we'll see when things get kind of ramped up more towards launch to see just how much that they are going to do with that game and how they're going to push that stuff out. But the conversation I wanted to have was about three games that I think didn't get a lot of love that should have gotten some love during the show and some of the stuff like i i said this on the last episode uh, uh, uh cyberpunk 2077 wasn't necessarily the game that i left the show with the most excited for yeah i'm super hyped for 2077 i think that that game is going to do some really cool stuff and i feel like it's going to really be fantastic i think that the game though 
that I left the show with with the most love for was Watch Dogs uh, Legion. Like Watch Dogs Legion was by far the game that I still think of when I think of that show, right? I still think of that whole thing being game changing in the way that it builds out systems that they've kind of been iterating on over the years with the Assassin's Creed engine and with the Assassin's Creed games in terms of like tech, in terms of large amounts of groups of people and, and people being connected and, and people having these backstories and how all that interconnectedness makes a better, not only protagonist, but it makes a better world building, um, a world building function. So all those things are like definitely things that I'm thinking about constantly when I think about that game. Getting a chance to play around with the demo, it left me with so many questions about how far I can take that interconnectedness. Uh, for instance, uh, I had a mission where I had this young sister and I was running through a mission where I had to go to the Scotland Yard or uh, no, not Scotland Yard. Uh, it might have been Scotland Yard. I can't remember. I don't know places and I don't know geography. So I messed up. But uh, I had to go to this police station and uh, I had to hack the police station's computer to be able to get information from it uh, so that I could use that to better uh, fill out my team. Right. That wound up going wrong in bad ways in the game. You get a wanted level uh, a, a la uh, GTA. So I had like a two star wanted level. Everything was walling out. I had cops shooting at me, people trying to tase me. A whole bunch of stuff was was bugging out and it was not good for me in the time that I was playing it until I got everything kind of chilled out. Everybody was fine after a little bit. And I figured out ways that I was able to kind of circumvent some of that stuff. Fine. Totally cool. Got away with it. All that stuff was good. I then transferred my body. Basically, I left the person that I was using to recruit someone else. And in that recruitment period, uh, I went to uh, hack their computer or hack that person's phone and found out that that person was uh, a MI6 uh, former agent. So that former agent now has these set of skills that are very different than the pre person that I was using before. The cool thing was the previous character that I had, I went back to Scotland Yard with my new character, hacked, snuck into the, the police station, snuck into that computer again, hacked it, and it basically wiped the police record of my former character so that they could no longer have a wanted level. And then I could jump into that person's, to that character again, so that I would be able to use them. Mind blown, mind blown about dope stuff that you'd be able to do. Then spoke to the folks who were on that team and they were like, yeah, if you, if you pull a lawyer onto your team, anytime someone gets arrested, you can then uh, circumvent or lower their, uh, the amount of time they have to be in jail because you have a lawyer on the team. You have a doctor on your team. Anytime someone gets hurt, their wounds will heal faster because you have a doctor on the team. They showed this other part where they had this one person who was a security guard and he had a route. So he was like doing normal life stuff because every character has a, a life and they have a, a, an idea of what their life is going to be. And they have stuff that they do. And the character was like, oh, I have a date with my girlfriend, but we had a fight. If you basically circumvent or no, I'm sorry, if you basically intervene 
in some of the stuff that they do in their real life, it may affect how well or how easily you're able to, uh, how well you're able to uh, bring those people back onto the team, which I thought was brilliant. It's super, super cool. I thought that was really, really fun. Um, so I, I, there's a lot of stuff in that game. Puss comes in the, in the chat says Austin uh, and the waypoint crew brought up the criticism about how everyone is down for being a revolutionary. Absolutely true. Um, that is a thing that I didn't get a chance to ask the folks, uh, during my time there is a good interview that I did with, um, Clint Hawking, who is the creative director on Watch Dogs Legion. I'm hoping to be able to snag them again, um, for an interview, because they're, those are kind of the questions that I want to be able to ask them. Like, yeah, like in real life, no one is super excited all the time to like run up on the government, right? You have the gung-ho people who are like the militia folks and you have the other folks who are like, you know, anarchists and things like that who are like, yo, we're going to take the government down fight club style. But there's a lot of people who are just like, yo, <laughs> we have a lot of people who are like, don't get your politics in my games, right? So those people would not be down to be able to be uh, uh, coerced into to being part of your team. I would love to see how they address that and if they actually do address that, because that would be really cool, actually. That would be one of the fun things to be able to see them actually like address alongside the other thing that I found out in a, I think it was either in a Kotaku piece or a polygon piece where you have all these wonderful character models in, in London, but they didn't model anybody who was overweight, which I thought was really interesting. And they talked about that in real ways, like that, not being, not being a thing. Um, and that was really interesting to be able to hear that they didn't model fat people. Like, how do you not model fat people in any video game going, going forward? Like, that's the thing they didn't do. So like, there's an article, I, I got to figure out where it is. I, I'll share it online, but yeah, there was like no overweight people in the game. And when they got when they got, uh, when they got addressed in conversations at E3, they basically like, yeah, we like, we wanted to do that, but there are weird limitations in the way that we were able to do that. And it didn't really have a good answer for that, not being something that was addressed or at least taken care of or thought about. I'm sure it was thought about, but supposedly that, that it came through and rang through as that whole, like women are hard to, to animate kind of thing again. And I was like, how are you going to just not have fat people in the game? Like, I want to be a fat spy. Like that would, that would be dope. Like I want to be the chubbiest spy. I want to be the cat who's like, and, and have some of that stuff like play into real parts of the, the like way that my character works. Like, I think that that would be funky, right? It's like, yo, my fat character was going on a midnight run to go get some food. And that's where you found me to try to, inf you know, to try to uh, pull me into your team. Like, I want those things to be in those spaces, right? Where those parts of the conversations are, are, are connected to it too. So we're going to try to figure out ways that we can, you know, do more work with the folks at, at Ubi to get into, you know, that circle of influence so that we can cover that game in a real way. Cause that's a game I'm dying to cover. This thing I actually really care about. Uh, one of the other games that popped up, in, on my radar while I was there was Dying Light 2. Dying Light 2 was fantastic. Dying Light 2 was a game that I left 
thinking about a lot. Like I was super hyped about the demo that they showed because they literally just had this one character, your main character, who chased down this other, chased down this other like uh, faction leader after this really important story part uh, happens, and they go ham. Like he runs through multiple zombies. He's like parkouring all over the place, jumping up and down over across a whole bunch of different stuff. And it, it just like the fluidity of that game, because I love the first game, the fluidity of that game felt even better than the first game, which I didn't think was true, uh, which I didn't think was possible because that game just felt so good in the way that you were able to maneuver around in space. Dying Light 2 is going to be scary. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really dope. It's something I'm ex- super excited to play. And that's another game that I'm hoping that we'll be able to cover because I'm like real hyped about the way they're going to be able to do that stuff. So I'm like mad, mad excited for for, for what that game is going to wind up being. Um, so Dying Light 2 is something that's definitely on my radar. I think it didn't get the love that it deserved to get. Um, I don't know if it just didn't demo as well as possible or if it was a thing where people just like we're so hyped about, you know, cyberpunk and some other stuff and Sony not being there and Microsoft conference stuff being there that they just didn't give it the love that it deserved, but it totally deserves much more kudos than, than it got. The other game that I thought was really funky and I'm super hyped to play. It was something that was really in the cut was this game called fall guys. So fall guys is this like, it's a battle Royale online kind of game, but it's like, if you were to play those Japanese shows, like those Japanese shows where everyone gets beat up by the, by the, by the stages, like absolutely like battle Royal wipeout basically, which it was so good. It was a demo I played with, uh, myself and three of the other, uh, devs and we all got in there and you get in there and it's a hundred people got to be filled out with people who are playing in the game and they have all these little all these little levels that you play around through and whoever's the last person to kind of get to the end of the stage will go to the next level. So if you go to that next level, you then get to the, the next couple of stages that happen after that. And you keep going through those levels. I think it's like three in a stage and then people get eliminated. Um, and then right towards the end, you have like the championship round. And if you, you know, win that championship round, you are the winner of that particular thing. I think, I don't know if they'll have local multiplayer unless they fill out everybody else with bots, which was a thing that they did at the demo. Um, but this is a thing that I have always wanted. I've always wanted there to be some, like uh, uh, a new game that felt like that one versus 100 game that was on Microsoft's Xbox Live way back in the day. Um, that was a thing that I loved and was able to get a lot of playtime in because it was that thing that wasn't super competitive in the same ways that you usually think about, but it would be dope to be able to be like, yo, I am beating these other people in this particular thing. Um, yeah. Oh, Puscom says if they figure out a way on Twitch to kind of make it a viewer, a viewer feature where people who are in the chat become folks in there. I think that that would be great. I think there has to be, and I talked to them about this. I need to have a conversation with them again. But if they don't have Twitch integration, they said they are going to have Twitch integration stuff. Then they've missed a a huge component, but I feel like they will figure out a way to make that happen. 
because it really just makes sense. It's, it's something that just makes sense to be able to add that component to the game so that you can have that interactivity uh, with folks who you don't know, but also like, you know, it's just so silly uh, in terms of the way that the aesthetic is, it's like super light and fun. Doesn't feel like a super uh, hardcore competitive thing. No one's getting shot. Thank goodness. Cause everything was shooting at E3 this year. Um, and it, it just felt really nice to be able to be in a really calm, chilled out setting that did have competitive aspects to it, but it felt like you were in the playground as opposed to the battlefield, which was really nice and, and definitely like filled out a space in that, in that gaming, um, uh, in that gaming arena that we don't really see really get touched on a lot. Um, and you kind of need that. You need some way to be able to have that stuff be a thing where you don't always have to worry about people getting shot or getting killed and people being in danger and people being in super violent, violent places. Like it was really nice to be able to have that thing be something that was just super chill, like not really heavy. And that was really good. I loved it. It was super, super fun. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for those three games. Those are things that I think you should definitely keep on your radar. You know, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, uh, Dying Light 2, Fall Guys. There was a couple other games that were in that mix. Carrion uh, from Devolver was this really fun uh, game where you were this character who was crawling around in the space. You're like, you're like the, the monster from The Thing. And the more that you eat people, the bigger you grow and the more powers you get to be able to do stuff. That was super fun. Um, and there were a couple other games that were in that space that were just like stuff that you didn't think about in terms of big time games, but they absolutely felt like they were hitting a, a really smart, um, a really smart market like Tunic as well. Like Tunic is one of those games too, that I got a chance to get some, some hands on with and, and, I feel like that game is going to be fantastic. I have to get some B-roll for Tunic so I can show it all to you, but we have that stuff coming and it's going to be so much fun. It's just another 2019 is still going to be another year where it's just going to be like, I have no idea where I'm going to find the time to play all the stuff that I want to play. And that's going to be not problematic, but it's going to be something that we all have to think about in real ways. So uh, that's the thing that we are definitely going to have to pay attention to. But Looks like we're almost at the top of the hour. Uh, it looks like we're almost out of time for our stream today and for our podcast today. Again, thank you to everyone who has rolled through here on Twitch land. Everyone who listens in podcast land. Again, you can check out our show here on all podcast platforms. You can check it out on xray.fm uh, every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, we may have another announcement coming up in the next couple of days about some changes to where we're being hosted and some changes to some, some, uh, uh, places where some of our content will wind up being, but again, make sure you're checking out our stuff on YouTube. Make sure you're checking out our content on our Instagram uh, and make sure you're, um, hitting us up on our Patreon and also on our GoFundMe as well. Uh, we definitely need that support. Uh, thank you to everyone who is, who has uh, hit us up on Twitch and has uh, subscribed to us here and given us bits and all those things, but we absolutely need, uh, as much support as you possibly can um, so that we can continue to grow. And, you know, the stream has gotten a little bit better in the past couple of days. And that's, that's been a little bit of um, tweaking of things and, and, and getting some folks to help us. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're paying those folks so that they can continue to help us do the dope, the work that we're trying to do. So again, massive love to everybody else out in Twitch land, out in podcast land. This is Khalif. I'm signing out. 
We'll see you all next week and peace. The Spawn on Me podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland Radio at xray.fm at 107.1 slash 91.1. You can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. If you want to reach out to us on the show, you can hit us up on our site, spawnonme.com, where you can find all our social media information about our Twitter, Instagram, and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening every week. And we say... Peace.